0: 2020 was one of the hottest years ever, and it brought to an or end the 15, warmest More than 15,000 scientists are sounding an alarm about climate change. They call it a says warning. the
1: effect of global warming is so severe the region is actually shifting They've to a different climate. they also found had underestimated the rate of change, Board meaning experts their experts say that we have until 2030
2: to avoid catastrophe. It
1: 2020 also says was the hottest year on changes record. Changes
2: are not made, and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet.
0: Hello and welcome to My Green Podcast, the show about accessible, sustainable living. I'm Jarvis Smith. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Joe Wood. This is the show where we look at how to live a sustainable, ethical life without drastically altering your lifestyle or blowing up your bank account. Everything from quality green products and where to get them to easy changes you can make now to make the world a healthier place. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Bevis Watts, CEO of Triodos, a
1: leading sustainable bank. But first, let's have a look at some of the recent environmental news.
0: An entire town burnt down in Canada. The Gulf of Mexico is on fire. And today, the day we're recording this, Northern Ireland set a record for the highest temperature since. Records began at thirty-one point two centigrade. Now we're seeing firsthand how the climate crisis is creating extreme weather. We're all feeling it. It's been super hot. Joe, Katie, what do you got to say on this weather changes? Gosh,
2: you know, I, I know I might be a bit controversial here, but hasn't the weather always changed throughout time? You know, we had frozen Thames. We had we used to grow vines in. In central London, there's streets named after it. Is this just a natural process, or and is uh, I I'm not sure. I don't know. Does the world do this
1: change weather? It, yeah, it, I think you're right. I think there are natural patterns, but the thing about what's happening at the moment is that it's man-made carbon that's entering the atmosphere at rates never really seen before. Um, so it's not kind of it's not natural cycles. It's uh, it's it's entirely man-made. Whether that's still counts as natural I don't know that's up for debate as well man's natural
0: yeah I mean the big thing as well isn't it is that you know this we've got this kind of road to net zero that um you know COP26 is talking about and essentially the Paris Agreement is really based on trying to keep temperatures below rising at 1.5 centigrade. Now we're already risen at 1.2. What happens when we get to 1.5, which is an increase on the normal um, cycle of, of, of temperature, is that it completely changes the weather patterns. So we get more storms, more droughts, you know the hotter countries get much hotter, the colder countries get much colder, and that's actually the the big issue because the systems that we've set up, the kind of man-made systems if you like the societies that we live in are just not geared up to handle this type of weather changes the so floods, fires, that whole thing so that that's the big issue, Joe, but absolutely I think on a grand scale like over thousands or, or hundreds of thousands if not millions of years. Yeah, absolutely. Temperatures change radically.
1: Yeah, there's an unpredictability in what's happening at the moment because it's uncharted territory, isn't it? We don't actually know what the feed loop, feedback loops are going to do. So there's a lot of talk about how, you know, the, the, the ice, the, the white of the ice reflects sun back into the atmosphere. So if the ice isn't there, not only will it mean higher sea levels, but it will also cause kind of extra levels of heating that we don't maybe think about. So there are loads and loads of these loops and these kind of these patterns that we're not actually entirely sure what what they're going to do. (laughs) We don't know how things are going to end up. It might not be that the hot countries get hotter and the cold countries get colder. There's so many other variables at play here. Um, It's going to be really difficult to predict what happens and we'll see so many climate refugees and so many people who need to find safe places to live. All these island territories as well all these island states that know they're, they're some of the forerunners of renewable energy and they're going to find themselves completely wiped out just for no fault of their own it's just it's so heartbreaking you know when you think we're cutting down the rainforest and getting rid of
2: all those billions of trees and and we're polluting our seas this doesn't help towards climate change we should be cleaning up and growing more trees. The more trees we have on this planet, the healthier it will be and the cleaner our oceans will be. They will produce more oxygen. So what we're doing is we're panicking, but we should be planting and cleaning instead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And I think it's a really simple message for, for people that, you know, that do shock, because obviously we're called consumers, you know, it's like this kind of economic branding thing. But what perhaps we need to become is restorers. I know I keep going on about this, but, you know, the UN have asked for this uh, age of, uh, sorry, decade of restoration. We're asking for an age of restoration. What that simply means is, is buy more consciously, buy less toxic products. And when you do buy something, which essentially comes from the earth, give back at the same time. So buy from you know, organizations like my Green Pod that plant trees and you know uh, and others. But I think that I think one of the big issues is, and, and, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, is that I I think that the, the powers that be, whether that be the UN or world leaders, They're trying to fix the problems with the same thinking that caused it. Right. And I, my feeling is, is that actually we need a completely different regime of leadership. It needs to be a much more feminine leadership, more women. Um, You know, there's examples of something like she changes climate where they're calling for a 50, 50 balance of women and men at the major decision-making table at COP26. And I think because, Historically, men men make decisions based on economics. Um, yeah. you know, as a rule, that's actually going to continue to get us in the mess. What we need to do is completely transform the systems that we're living in so that we don't need to buy so much and we can live more symbiotically, co-creatively, collaboratively with nature.
1: Yeah, the vast, vast, vast majority of climate refugees are women. And it's just It's it's criminal that more women don't have a seat at the table in these kind of discussions. Yeah, it it is.
0: is. I'd really like to shout out shechangesclimate.org and uh, you know get supporting that. And obviously we've got copxx.org which you talked about in our last episode. So, okay, brilliant.
2: Okay, so hydrogen Olympics. Um, Well, with the delayed Olympics that, that are finally taking place this summer. but with no spectators. How weird is that going to be? Aside from the game itself, of course, the Olympics are set to highlight what is being called
1: the Hydrogen Olympics. Katie, you wrote about this recently, didn't you? I did. I think it's really, it's a kind of, it's a really interesting story because it's... um... It's, hydrogen it is something that's been kind of bubbling under the surface for a very long time. Um, it's had a few false dawns, really, but I think something as mainstream as the Olympics is really going to bring it to sort of mainstream consciousness again. So with the Olympics this year, what's happened is this, the Olympic cauldron, um, which is what marks the end of the torch relays, for the first time in, in all of Olympic history, it's going to be powered by hydrogen. Um, and, and Japan is actually a forerunner for a hydrogen-based society. It was one of the first countries to adopt a... a um national hydrogen strategy in 2017 and uh, and yeah it's really really giving hydrogen a starving role at the olympics the whole olympic village has been built as a miniature kind of hydrogen city cool That's-
0: and mo- most people don't understand do they that hydrogen is actually a completely infinite resource because you can make it whereas obviously you know even electric batteries for example do come from earth resources which are finite so this is going to have to be the future the, the problem is the infrastructure is not quite there so
1: yeah i think there there are a few there are a few things actually to kind of i mean it is it's it's abundant it's it's going to be crucial it's a it's naturally abundant it's light it's storable it's transportable um it it causes no emissions at all when it's produced with renewable energy but that's what's key because at the moment a, t- a tiny 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 amount of hydrogen is being produced with renewables it's all being produced with fossil fuels so it's kind of (laughs) it's all a bit kind of um it's not necessarily the, the the wonderful solution that um that we think it might be
0: how can how can people get behind supporting a hydrogen movement katie what like what what could people do
1: it's not so much about getting behind supporting i think everybody agrees on all levels that hydrogen has to play some sort of role in our transition to net zero but Mm. the question is around what that role is and what kind of what sectors it's going to be the most dominant in and and where it really fits in because if you think that less than 0.7 percent of the current hydrogen production is from low carbon supplies that's a lot of um fossil fuels that we're using to actually create the, the hydrogen in the first place.
0: yeah so refrigeration systems which is has a huge impact and obviously transport and travel and things like that you know they're they're, they're really big kind of I guess simple wins when we move to a hydrogen um, economy. We've
2: got so much work to do on this planet it it's just unbelievable isn't it?
0: Yeah I mean the, the massive 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 issue is is that you know we've been so caught up in fossil fuel driven economy you know even our monetary system is all based on that kind of you know that, that oil industry and that that's what's got to change and we are seeing beginning to see movements in that big investment firms you know divesting from fossil fuel industries and deforestation but it's just not happening quickly enough we have nearly you know less than nine years to turn this thing around if that because a lot of scientists are saying it's actually happening much more quickly than um, than than the statistics are showing so yeah i mean we're seeing that just this year aren't we just just in in england with the weather Um, changes that we talked about in our earlier section so we know we've all got to step up and get behind being part of a solution and definitely not contributing to the problem
2: yeah be part of the solution and not the problem I, i always say that
0: Now it's time for our regular feature let's talk about six baby six easy steps anyone can make to lead a more sustainable life so
2: today we're going to talk about step three how we power our homes
0: <gasps> oh well i mean look the easiest quick win is for you know anybody can do this that's listening is to switch to a hundred percent renewable energy tariff and you know, we talk about Octopus because they're the fastest growing 100% renewable energy company. But there's Bulb, there's even Eon now. I mean, the thing to do is obviously pull away from those companies that are not 100% renewable. That's the most important yeah. thing.
2: Well, I used to have renewable energy when I lived in London. Um but now I am off the grid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Joe! you're just honestly, we are so jealous about your off-grid living. And so that means you are completely powered by what? Solar, wind?
2: Solar. so Yeah, completely powered by solar. Yeah. But, you know, I do have to have a backup generator for when it's, you know, there's not much sunshine. But right now, it's, uh, my generator doesn't work at all because I've got we've got so much sun and I and I've also got my own water so um yeah wow. I, I, I like that
0: have you got a storage battery then do you do you have a storage battery that, that, yes, that you drop got- yeah
2: 24 storage batteries. Actually. 24.
0: Gosh, that yeah. parcel must be huge <laughs> that you're living in. No, it's
1: Has not. It... It's a little farmhouse. Happen- <laughs> I know. <laughs> Has it affected the way that you live, Joe? Has it changed anything about your day to day kind of how you use energy and how and when you yes. use it? And... So yes, powerful. without a doubt. So, um
2: uh, I try not to use the dishwasher and washing machine, you know, just all the time. You know, I've I know that I need to make do my washing and dishwasher at a certain time of day.
0: I've got visions of you now with those washboards, like you see, you know, <laughs> in the Ganges in India, yeah. with you
2: scrubbing. <laughs> Sitting your... on the side of the pond,
0: yeah. washing
2: my clothes, <laughs> no, so,
0: scrubbing them. Out.
2: <laughs> so and and I try not to use a lot a lot of energy because it. Um, it goes down quite quickly mm. if, you, if everything is on. And I always, you know, if somebody's here, I say, please turn off the lights. You know, use a, le- a less, because you don't realise until you uh, are producing your own energy how much it, it is to run a house. If everybody's over here and the lights are all on, my batteries go down and I have to do a force charge on them. So, I mean, it's amazing how willy-nilly I used to live with lights on all the time in my house and never even giving it a second thought. Well, you just
0: take it for granted, don't we? I mean, that's the point. This this whole movement is about us becoming more aware, more conscious, more in response. And again, being... A, a solution and not a problem and, and you know a lot of people yeah. are, they might not have you know smart batteries or solar power but what they can have is a device telling them you know how much energy they're using like if i used to have great fun with ours you flick on the kettle the washing machine the you know the this the that and the other and you just suddenly see the the you know the, the voltage of energy usage go up and it's really and the cost, really, the cost <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, exactly. yeah i mean it, it just it absolutely amazes me how much energy we produce for our entire country you know it's just outrageous what we must produce
0: so the simple things isn't there when it's cold you can stick a jumper on you know you know maybe look at a cheaper uh, an energy tariff that's more tied into, um, you know, cheaper tariffs at night, things like that, which, you know, brands like Octopus Energy do provide amazing energy tariffs that are way more competitive than the big six. And actually, most people will save roughly about 250 to £300 pounds a year if they switch to 100% renewable energy tariffs. So that's definitely yeah. a win.
1: And yeah, yeah, just be just to be more conscious as well about what what you're using and when. And like you said, Joe, turn the lights yeah. off if you're not in the room. Turn the lights off. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, you know, just save the energy.
2: Otherwise, how are we going to run our electric cars as well as our homes?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a big. That's a, that's another big issue. We're going to have to come onto that on, a, on another episode because the EV industry is moving so quickly, but the infrastructure isn't moving as quickly. Yeah. I had a thing on the radio today actually that rural communities. Um, They're they're just not considering putting charging points out in the countries, uh, out in the country, should I say. And therefore, that means that rural communities are going to be completely left behind when it comes to this, um, you know, this shift to EVs, which has to happen by 2030.
1: Gosh, and it's the rural communities that are so much more dependent on cars because of they're often they not served by by local bus services either in networks and trains and things. So Yeah, and then
2: what about the farmers? You know, now I live in the country. What about the farmers and their tractors and their machines that they need to plough the land and
0: yeah. Yeah. grow yeah. our food? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In so anyway. we'll we'll come on to that in another episode for sure.
1: Coming up next, Joe and Jarvis talk to today's special guest, Bevis Watts, CEO of Triodos Bank.
0: Our guest today is CEO of Chiodos Bank, the sustainable bank that is a pioneer in using finance to invest in projects that are good for people and planet. Welcome to My Green Podcast, Bevis Watts.
3: Hello, Jarvis. Hi, nice to be with you.
0: Hi,
2: Bevis. How
3: are you? Hi, Joe. Good to meet you. All well, thank you.
2: Are you any relation to Charlie Watts?
3: Sadly, no. But I have no—I have no claims to fame or royalty at all. So you got a very boring guest, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't know about <laughs> that. well,
2: you know, Charlie owes me some money,
0: and as you've got a bank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, now I see why you wanted to be on this one, Joe. I got it now. You're, you're trying to get a debt repaid. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Come
0: on. Oh, all brilliant. Right. Well, Bevis, let's start with Triadus, because, you know, a lot of people of the listeners might not necessarily know about it. So please explain how the bank operates and what makes you different to the, the high street banks that most people are familiar with.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, we've been around for 40 years internationally and over 25 years in the UK now. And what we try to do is use money with conscious thought about how do we improve the quality of people's life today whilst not compromising the future quality of life or the natural environment for future generations. That's it in a nutshell. And I suppose what we try to do is we seek to be a reference point to show that banking can be different. It can be a force for good. You can use money in a way that benefits people and the planet. And, uh, and um, yeah, and we, and we also have a different um, banking model. But if you're going to say you do that, and put yourself on that pedestal, then, then you have to be transparent. So we publish every loan investment that we make. So we allow the customers and others to scrutinise whether we get uh, that mission of the bank right.
2: You use people's money to, to make a better planet like
3: what so um we, we invest across broadly uh, three um themes so social cultural and environmental so you'll find us in financing charities and social enterprises things like oh, housing associations and all sorts of things you can imagine food banks but um also on the environment so we're world renowned for renewable energy organic farming fair trade uh but also we finance a lot of cultural projects because we think you know this this challenge of sustainability is it is as much an inward challenge and how do we all connect within one another how do we sort of uh, release materiality how do we uh, have a more caring and sharing world then uh, then how we connect through the arts and through spirituality and so on is also an important part so we also invest in cultural projects
0: oh you're not the typical banker are you using those words i never
2: even knew there was a bank like this oh my god what am i doing at my bank
0: yeah well the point the point is joe you didn't know there was a bank that had the same outlook on on life as you i mean that that's that's the point uh, isn't it yeah yeah
2: Unbelievable. Yeah. i love that
0: yeah it is amazing and i think it's so important that you're not you know the, the bankers unfortunately have a pretty bad name for themselves particularly after you know some of the some of the ways that we've had to pick up the banks after the uh, you know the, the disgusting behavior of some of them in the past but the point of view is is that if people do want to actually live a lifestyle that's sustainable that includes all the pillars of society right and money's the one thing that actually makes the certainly the human cycle of the world go round and with you people are, are you know they're confidently putting money into projects that are better if not brilliant for people and planet whereas yeah, you know, current investment funds and institutions are still funding deforestation, fossil fuels, and yeah, all these other things.
3: Yeah.
2: So, yeah. oh my God, I think I love this bank.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, there's, there's a match made in heaven today. Maybe <laughs> this is this is going to be a Valentine's Day special. I think. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll send you the link to apply, Joe. Straight after this, don't worry. So uh, triados.co.uk.
0: <laughs> you haven't got oh, much no. money left, though, Joe, have you? Because you've spent it all on planting trees in your in your garden.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a, what they call it a um, a grant to do some more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what? The government are funding uh, lots of lots of rewilding projects at the moment, so your land could become part of that. I live up, up, up at the Boughton Hall Estate, Bevis, just outside of uh, Skipton, and we've actually got the biggest rewilding project in the UK happening right outside my windows. On yeah, lovely. The yeah. It's, it's amazing. It,
3: it's an area we're, we've been working on, actually. We, um, we're leading four national pilots uh, called Nature Based Investment, so really trying to wrestle with this problem about how can you finance rewilding or landscape scale restoration of nature by connecting it to economic outcomes? So we're leading four projects. One of them is a big um, natural flood management project where uh, insurers, water companies, flood management agencies will all put money in over a 10 year period to, to sort of use nature to reduce flood risk. And um, off the back of that, we can raise money to do multi-million pound landscape scale restoration, planting trees, re you know, creating meanders in rivers again, all that sort of stuff. So, it's a, yeah, it's a very cutting edge area we're fascinated by as well.
0: There you go, Joe. There's your, there's <laughs> your streamline for the funding. You just need to speak to Bevis. <laughs> I'm going to. Watch out.
2: I'm definitely going to. That is just, I mean, I think that's wonderful. That's not what I've always wanted in a bank, to have the same kind of views as me. How long has it been going and when did it start?
3: So the the bank originally started in the Netherlands in 1980, but we're now in Ah. Spain, Germany, Belgium, uh, and the UK, and and internationally through an investment management business. So if if you put your savings or have your current account with Triodos in the UK, then we will lend that out to projects here. But if you invest in a stocks and shares ISA, we have an international business that will invest in um, uh, in best-in-class sort of uh, multinational companies or pioneers in different sectors. So... uh, yeah, so there's a whole range of ways you can use your money. As um, as you were saying, I think what we try and encourage people to do is align their money with their values. You know, where where you choose to yeah. spend, save, and invest is is a kind of vote for the world you want to see.
2: Yeah, a few years ago, I was at a bank. I won't won't mention the name. Uh, and I said, they said we want to. You should invest some money, Joe. And I said, yeah, I'll invest some money, but I don't want it invested in anything at all that will hurt the environment and they turned around to me and said well we're not going to be able to find you anything i said you're kidding why wouldn't you be able to find me something that was going to help the planet not do any damage and they said we don't have it so that but that was about eight years ago
3: yeah yeah Things are changing. So, I mean, it, what, what banks have historically done is given people assurance over minimum standards, as Jarvis was saying earlier, but that, that doesn't really cut it. It's bare minimum sort of things you will exclude investing in, like arms or, uh, and, and so on. But it's, it's not very progressive. But things are changing. And I think we're in a strange period where for the next two or three years, you'll see a lot of greenwash and banks claiming they're great for the environment and they're making big climate change commitments. But you'll see standards coming to the fore. So, you'll be able to get in, in a few years' time, I'm sure, much more confidence in what you're investing in and the fact it is actually you know uh, uh having an impact on biodiversity loss or on climate change and that's so good
0: on. to know it's good to know because i think the whole the whole movement around ecocide and you know these big corporations that are damaging the planet that should be held accountable for it so it's lovely to hear that banking and and and, and just to be clear you you are a business bank but you're also a, a customer bank as well you know there are there are personal accounts that people can have and business accounts right
3: Yeah, so the model is absolutely individuals choose to have their current account savings investments with us and then we don't borrow from other banks. So that's the only way we're financed, which makes us independent and quite resilient uh, in hard times. But then we will lend that out to uh, projects in the UK if you choose to save with us here and and so on. Yeah,
0: that's really lovely. Can I ask you, Bevis, because although you're currently the CEO um, and you've been senior there since, you know, 2016, but... What other major achievements have you had and what were you doing before you got into to, to the banking?
3: Oh, well, I, 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 the, some of the press dubbed me the first environmentalist to run a bank because I've spent 20 odd years working in sustainability in different guises. So the early part of my career is uh, was spent in the recycling industry. And, uh, and yeah, nice. I'm quite proud of some of the things we did there. I was part of the early team at RAP, the Waste and Resources Action Programme. But uh, and, and trying to sort of bring multi million pounds of investment into the UK recycling sector when it was still very embryonic. But um, I also ran one of the wildlife trusts in the UK because conservation and nature, as Joe and I were talking about earlier, is, is a great passion. I've volunteered internationally on on different inter- international marine conservation projects. So I was, uh, yeah, chief executive aid wildlife trust for a while and still, uh, still try to keep my, my fingers in and help out and, uh, and volunteer on conservation projects where I can.
0: Lovely. I bet there aren't many uh, it's, uh, major major bank execs, C suite execs, yeah. that can say that. Yeah, have yeah that buy,
2: for eh?
3: sure. Yeah. Yeah. That that said, there's a lot of good people who work in banking, and I think we kind of need to help yeah. them on this transition, yeah. you know, because the, the yeah. bank bashing has, has been justified in recent years, but it's not really moving the debate on. And and ultimately, banking is man made. This system we all now live in is something we created. So we have the power to change it. We just have to find the right people and the right advocates. But yeah.
0: Yeah, we love that, don't we, Joe? People power, because we're saying it's it's got to come from the grassroots up, and if it can come a little bit from the top down, we can meet in the middle, and then we, you know, get to create a better world.
2: So, do you live a sustainable life at
3: home? Yeah, well, I hope so. Uh, Crikey, pick an area of my life. I mean, I cycle just about everywhere I can, journeys-wise. But uh, yeah, there's no shame in my fridge. You'll find everything uh, organic uh, and local, if not. And um, yeah, and I'm a big. um, I, I live in a, a, well what was a, a, a terraced house in Bristol but uh, it's got quite a big garden it's a mistake to buy a flat for the garden but that's what I did but uh, I grow loads of my own herbs fruit veg oh, that's great. Um, big wildlife area so yeah no I mean uh, if you've been working in this sector for 20 odd years you have to you have to walk the talk so and I I believe in it so
0: yeah. we were talking when we we're talking to one of our other guests you know th- there is no such thing as perfect But there is when living a sustainable lifestyle, but there is as close to. And that is exactly what you're saying. Growing your own, you know, getting renewable energy, you know, investing in the right way. And, you know, there are there are lots of great things that we can all do as small steps individually that have a huge impact if if we all collectively take these steps. And that's what we've got to do. Right. We're in a time of crisis.
3: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then people often don't think of the obvious thing, So they don't think about their bank. You know, we're just about now getting, oh. if you change your electricity supplier, you might get renewable energy and, yeah. and so on. But we've got to think a lot more laterally. But also we've got to help each other because we shouldn't be snobbish on this journey you know i've learned loads over 20 odd years and have adjusted things and i i think and still have loads to learn in different areas you know but uh, but i think the more the great work you do at my green pod the sort of store you've got and everything else the more we can make it easy for people and promote great things and share what we've all learned the better
0: yeah thank you
2: that's what it's all about education it's educating people so that they know that there is another way to live besides what they're used to I live off-grid, actually.
0: Yes, you are. I
2: have my own water, my own solar panels. and
0: Didn't you have your battery pack up on you once and you were like, well, oh no, where are the candles? No, I had <laughs> no. to spend
2: the night in the dark with just the fire and candles. and But, you know,
0: it's, <laughs> it's been, be it's not
2: been, it's not been easy, but it was a big learning curve. I thought it was going to be a lot easier, but now it's all coming into, falling into place. So I've got it all down. You've
0: always been a pioneer, Joe, and that's what I really love about you, that you've always, you know, you've always been at the front of the journey. And I mean, to go off grid, it's a huge thing to do, but actually it's a, it's a beautiful thing because you're, you're, you're totally in, in control of your own ecosystem, aren't you? Yeah, it's
2: great. Um, the only thing I didn't have up till now is an organic
0: bank. <laughs> uh, and now you have yeah
3: yes yeah well some, some people do, call us the organic bank because we've banked uh the soil association for many many years and a lot of the leading organic brands in the country and so on there uh, yeah. are customers of us so um, yeah we're often associated with that but wouldn't it be great I was just thinking could I take a bank off grid because we've got solar panels and rainwater capture but then I'm thinking the regulators might have an issue if the phone lines, <laughs> if the phone lines went down and people couldn't get their money so yeah, uh,
0: you'd <laughs> have to bury the money and in, in, in the garden <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. maybe yeah maybe maybe actually there's a there's a there's a model in that you could put seeds into money and you know when it comes out a day people just put it in the garden rather than sending it back that'd be quite a (laughs) nice model wouldn't it but joking aside um did you ever imagine yourself becoming a banker like back back in the day when you were environmentalist and sustainability did you ever think oh I'm going to become a banker
3: not at all to be honest and I suppose this journey on sustainability started for me. I was, um, I, I was a student studying a business degree and I was studying in Sweden for a year as part of that. And I, It was like living in the future. You know, you're living in an apartment with waste segregation for recycling and just very energy efficient. It was yeah, completely different. And that's what inspired me. And it was, it was a very reflective time of my life because I lost my father then. He was a teacher. So I was very much thinking, well, you know, what's life all about? What impact do you have? So That's where the journey started. And I've kind of just followed my nose, really, on on where do I think I can have impact. And in the days I worked in the recycling industry, I came across somebody in banking who I was trying to convince to invest in the recycling sector, uh, who was very reluctant because of vested interests. They were lending to the traditional waste management companies who saw it as competition. And they said, at the end of the day, you know the return on investment on a landfill site is better the faster you fill it, and that for me was a big light bulb moment, yeah. saying well here 's me working at a grassroots level, trying to affect change. I need to get to these guys. I need to get to the top of the tree and the money and try and really uh, influence change in the financial system so yeah. oh that 's why God. I ended up where I am
0: well it 's actually i mean it 's interesting. My career started on, on a on a landfill dump. I was on that channel Four TV show where we literally had to live on a landfill for three weeks to highlight. There is no such place as a way. This is the damage we're doing to the air. So it's quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. Both of our yeah, kind of yeah. st- stories started yeah. with trash and waste.
3: I, I think every school should take their pupils at least once in their life to a landfill site. Because when you smell the stench agree. and you've retched on the landfill site, just, yeah. you would you you would really become so much more conscious about. So this true. Waste
0: I society. mean, we we couldn't sleep for yeah. the first three nights. It was so smelly. It, I mean, mm. it was that bad. We couldn't sleep. It yeah, was, and then and then you get then you get used to it.
2: Yeah, that is a good idea to take schools to a landfill like that I mean they would it would change their outlooks I mean that's the way to educate the kids really
0: yeah well it's the dark side of consumerism isn't it it's the opposite end to any high street or shopping platform and that that's very much about the work that we do Joe it's inspiring people to just make those simple life changes but I wanted to just pick you back up on the organic banking thing because I think that that's an awesome uh, model and I think people could really relate to that we've just partnered with the Soil Association like you guys uh, have done for years and we're actually going to be their sole um, distribution platform for soil association for selling soil association products to really get that messaging yeah. out there. So um, that's a very exciting partnership for us. But in your that's daily great. life, yeah. Uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, your, <laughs> that's in, brilliant. <laughs> in your daily life, Bevis, what what would you what would you say are a couple of really important things that you do that anybody else could take on themselves um you know recommendations tips
3: oh crikey i mean uh, as i said earlier i think just being really conscious about money being a vote for your values and the, the world you want to live in and really explore every purchase and decision you make but I mean uh, because we're talking about money though, my number one tip would be to really think about your current account savings investments what they're doing and it might be you ask your current bank what they do with your money and you think yeah that's that's fine for me I'm happy with that or you think about your pension and you look into what that's investing in if you've got one and you might be happy with it but if not I'd um, really go and encourage people to look at the Make My Money Matter campaign, which is looking at uh, pensions and getting to make net zero uh, climate commitments, but also look at switchit.money, and that will um, talk to you about how you can uh, switch your bank if you're not happy. But uh, but really thinking about that conscious consumerism is my uh, tip. Ah,
0: lovely, lovely. Well, I think they're great tips, and they're definitely ones that we'll publish uh, so people can find them.
3: Well, I'm
2: definitely going to, check you out I think it's very important for me to be with an organic bank I really do I mean I I live my life like that so why is my banking like that
3: well that, that's the point is we, we, we all do lots of things but we don't realize that if we do our recycling we've got via renewable energy you know our pension funds and our savings could be eclipsing that in terms of the impact it's making on on the planet yeah. so um, it, it's it's one of the you know the, the biggest impacts we can make the make my money matter campaign I think it's 27 times more impactful to switch your bank uh that make a contribution to climate change than a lot of the other life choices we make isn't that yeah.
0: fascinating and it's, it's something that hardly anybody knows
2: yeah that's it wow. i mean even i didn't know and i thought i knew everything
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm glad i'm glad because that's that's why we've got our guests that we have you know they're here to inspire us and for us to learn from and you know for people to get on board with very very simple switches that they can make in their lives because we know 90% of people in recent studies want to live more sustainably only 10% of people have acted and there's this 80% gap which means people want to do it but haven't why because they don't really know what to do
2: yeah
3: and that now's a really important moment because whilst a lot of people have really suffered and struggled through the pandemic. Um, an awful lot of people have saved money if they're in stable uh, jobs and so on. So um, you've suddenly got, you know, 40% of 18 to 34 year olds have suddenly got significant savings for the first time. And uh, it, you know, if they all put them into savers or, or ISAs and so on, that's 2.6 million people. So, so this year of all years is a real year to say, okay, let's consciously use money and direct it in a different way. Isn't
2: that crazy?
0: I'm really glad you ended with numbers
3: because it would have
0: been awful if you didn't but thank you for that
3: <laughs>
0: especially for me
3: I, I, I try to avoid numbers there's difficult questions no we needed numbers it wouldn't, but... it wouldn't
0: have been fair if you hadn't given us some numbers so Bevis it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you I know you've found a new customer in Joe so that's yes great. I'll just take my uh, my cut for the, for the introduction if that's alright right kidding <laughs> 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 <No, I> <laughs>
3: Uh, I, I owe you a chai tea <laughs> always always
0: <laughs> open to a chai tea <laughs> thank you ever so much for joining us Bev it's been a real pleasure thank you
2: thank you Bev I'll speak
0: to you soon thank you for having me and on the last note put your money where your heart is people that's, that's I guess what we've all got to do that's our show for this week we hope you enjoyed and gained some really useful tips on living ethically if you did please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to give us a five-star rating so that others wanting a greener lifestyle can find us
2: thank you to our guest evis watts
0: no relation to
2: charlie we'll put links to the treidos website on the show notes follow us at joe wood official and at
1: my green pod for more tips and the latest ethical news, go to mygreenpod.com or email us at hello at mygreenpod.com.
0: My Green Podcast was presented by Jarvis Smith, Katie Hill and Joe Wood. It was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions, music by The Phoenix Rose.